Hello and welcome to the New Model Advisor podcast. My name is James Fitzgerald and today I'm speaking with Ben Hammond, who is the Platforms Director at Altus Consulting. Ben, welcome to you. Hi James, nice to be here. And good to have you. Now, since the beginning of last year, there has been a flurry of platforms being snapped up by private equity firms. The main ones being Novia, the small one being Wealthtime, and now Nucleus being bought by James Hay early this month, which is also backed by a private equity company. What do you make of the James Hay takeover of Nucleus? Good, bad, or a bit of a wait and see situation? I think it's I think it's more than that, James, to be honest. Um, so Epirus with their purchase of James Hay, um, uh, you know, about 18 months or so ago, that, that went through. Um, so it was obviously part of Sanderson's, but, you know, part of that wider group that, that James Hay's uh, involved in. Um, I think that's still working its way through in some respects. Um, but with all the PE firms, and that's, you know, others that I guess we can discuss in a moment as well they are mm. they are very keen to just not make it about one purchase to make it about more than more than one so it makes sense for E-Price as the new owners of James Hay to then look to the market um, for, for what else might might be available uh, and obviously with um, uh, with Sanlam uh, it, they're sort of wanting to stop their involvement with Nucleus I think that was the driver for that as, as an mm. over 50% owner um, that that's brought nucleus to the market, so it, it's an obvious thing for for Epirus to to go and look at. Um, I think what is interesting, and I'll take the FNZ bit out of here. We can we can come back to that in a moment, but <laughs> um, good. you know the the nucleus, uh, the technology, and that they have in Bravura Sonata, they've got a direct contract, good a good handle on that. They do a lot of development themselves. That's that's really good for that that business. And they've obviously just recently bought uh, you know the the what was previously outsourced admin so the Genpact piece um, mm. bought that part in-house uh, so that that part's in Glasgow there in Edinburgh so they've kind of got a nice a nice setup there now so um, what you were saying there about a bit of a wait and see that I think that part of the deal needs to bottom out a bit and for Nucleus just to be clear well exactly we've been working with them for you know almost since inception but we need to work out how that merger of the two companies works before um you know we we go too far down the line with uh, with james hay epirus might have something else up there up their sleeves you know you can't you can't sort of rule that out but i think the um you know getting the businesses together the change of control still needs to happen that's going to take two or three months or so to to, to get that part through um and then uh, for the assessment of everything to happen uh, is the way to go. And, and you've got to think about the staff and the advisors using, I guess, both those platforms as well, because they'll be a bit unsure. What does the future hold? Are the two businesses going to come together? What's going to happen to the names? What's going to happen to the staff in the various centres throughout the UK? So, um, yeah, so slowly but surely, I think, is the, is the way to go. Well, there will certainly be a lot of uncertainty around, and I suppose that stems from the time it's going to take, as you mentioned, to get this deal done. I mean, if we ignore the fact that the FCA is probably going to take a while scrutinising this deal, then you have to go through a three-month review Mm -hmm. of the James Hay and the James Hay buyout as well, as well as another review for Nucleus, and then moving on to the replatforming of James Hay's um, assets to the new FNZ platform, and then it going well Nucleus as well. And how do you see that working with James Avery platforming to FNZ as well as potentially Nucleus as well. And essentially, we're going from one potential replatforming and now James has decided to do two almost in one goes. How do you think that'll work? Yeah, two at once. So again, I think it goes back to, you know, 
almost putting nucleus to one side for the moment and saying mm. yeah we need to do change of control that assessment i was talking about there but that's a you know it's a business on the modern tech with with its own administration etc so that'll that continue to run successfully um on the james hay side just going back to back to that for a moment yeah signing the deal with fnz obviously the, t the two were announced together um that again that needs to start properly and be worked through as well um so obviously there are a lot of considerations around you know just what is the existing james hay setup what can fnz do uh, you know out of the box technology wise for james hay versus some of the more eclectic stuff that james hay has because you know that's that's what they're known for you know they're they're a specialist business very wide asset range pension specialists in particular that tends to be what they're known for um you know can fnz support absolutely everything that that they want to do now that would have absolutely been part of the selection process that they would have mm. gone through when when looking at you know what it and outsource suppliers uh, should, should we look for in the market um, but the devil's always in the detail. So, um, you know, you can say that at a high level, but until you, until you get into, you know, and it could be, you know, three, six months of real detail of going, this is what we've got. This is where we want to go. What are the gaps? What things do we need to build? What are the changes that we that we would need to make for both the technology and the business? Um, it, again, it's about going through that process carefully. Um, as for then bringing the, the two things together, um, that'd be an interesting one. And I know E. Pyrus and James Hay have said, you know, we will over a period of time in parallel with looking to move, uh, you know, some of the James Hay business to FNZ, we will look at what's happening with Nucleus, do an assessment of the technology of the operations, etc., as part of that process. Um, and it might be that they, you know, that, you know that that's going to take it's going to take a bit of time um but obviously you know the james hay fnz deal needs to just sort of get going as well as the looking at looking at nucleus um and it might be that actually they decide not to bring the two things together or at least mm. not in the in the medium term they've been sort of open to having those discussions having those considerations first before they absolutely nail it on and go this is ultimately what what's going to happen i know they sort of said quite quite relatively clearly this they is what our ultimate goal yeah. is um but again at the same time um you know it you know something about a fat lady sings or whatever the whatever the phrase is but mm. um you know doing all that assessment and actually getting to the bottom of it um is the most important thing to do to make sure it is absolutely the right decision because james hayes is kind of being the test subject here aren't they or the you know test guinea pig if you will um and yes they were quite bullish when they spoke to New Model Advisor in their general market statement the other week. But this is really a big test for them, isn't it? Before they even think about transferring Nucleus over to FNZ. And look, by all accounts and what I've seen and heard as well, speaking to them and other sources, that James Hay took a very, very deep look into FNZ and what they can do and kind of got assurances that um, you know those past replatforming woes from you know, certain other platforms that are quite high, pro high profile, um, you know, are in the past now, and things are a lot better. And I think Quilt is seeing that at the moment um, with their migrations as we speak. It's, do you think James has really confident in this FNZ partnership? It's a very big step. I think I think it is for them, but at the, but at the same time, um, you know, they've got a wide variety of, of technologies, and there's you know, there's been sort of companies and part parts of companies you know c coming together over the years so um it's sometimes good to take a step back and say rather than trying to change what we've already got do we need a more concise solution and that's obviously where they've gone and, and, and elected to use fnz um i think they will be 
um, you know, buoyed by how Quilter has gone compared to, um, you know, other other platform migrations and not just FNZ ones, but, you know, ones mm. that throughout the industry. Um, it's a bit of a learning experience, but I think everyone's getting better at doing it. Um, you know, migration is, you know, you can develop a platform and it can be super duper, new business throws through, but as soon as you start trying to build trying to bring over you know back books and and people who just people advisors staff who are used to dealing with things with things in a different way that's another really important bit to get absolutely right so you don't mm. get any degradation in service um and that is what what has traditionally or stereotypically been been seen in the industry over mm-hmm. the yeah, over the last few years so i think i think the industry as a whole has got over some of that quilter is a, is a is a good example um you know nothing's been nothing's perfect but then I think anyone who thinks it is was is kind of kidding themselves. There's there's yeah. going to be a few hiccups. You can't you can't plan for absolutely everything. You know, same goes for life, not just replatforming. So mm. you know, why why should it be any different? But you can manage things. You can manage the risk of things going wrong. Um, you know, manage the program. Put put the effort and the, and the money into the right places to make sure it's a, as much of a success as possible. Um, so I think for James Hay, yeah, they will have looked at not just can it, can FNZ supply what I need, but also what are they like actually doing doing migrations and doing replatformings, um, and they must be happy with what they're seeing to to have made that decision. Mm, indeed, indeed. And I was speaking to um, Quilter yesterday, Old Mutual Wealth, um, just in a general chat about how the replatforming has gone, and the thing that stood out to me was that they've put a greater emphasis on working more closely with FNZ in terms of their support teams, you know, having daily meetings, um, daily meetings, weekly meetings, just general catch up to make sure that, you know, everything is on the same page and both companies are on the same page is, you know, and perhaps it got me thinking that perhaps some other platforms haven't done that in the past and have kind of gone to their technology provider, whether it be FNZ or otherwise, and just gone, I want this platform, build it for me, and then we'll deal with it from here on in. Um, where that happened or not, I don't know. But do you think there needs to be greater a greater partnership and relationship between provider and platform? I think I think it's really important. Yeah, I mean, in any in any kind of business, because essentially, oh yeah, you are you're doing a form of a joint venture with with these sorts of companies, especially um, you know an FNZ versus a, a Sonata or, or a GBST composer, for example. You're mm. not just getting the technology and running it all yourselves, and you just need them to support the technology. FNZ are doing you know a big chunk of the operations for these companies as well. Um, so you absolutely need to have that that partnership model for it to be a success. Because as soon as one party isn't being transparent with the other, that's when you know issues issues are going to going to happen. So you're mm. always going to have the formal governance and the contract based stuff and all, all those sorts of things, as as any business would have with its supplier. But actually having a good relationship with them to quickly iron out any issues that that might might come up, and that could be when you're putting the platform in place as well as just in business as usual and and you know you've done a technology upgrade and there's some teething issues getting over those 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 issues as quickly as possible for the for the sake of the advisors and the customers getting back to business as usual that is always going to be um you know best done by having that close relationship Hmm. and i think fnz have have shown some of that with the likes of other platforms such as embark so i know there's some you know there's some some ownership of embark there as well but in terms of uh, Embark taking over the part of the old ATS business and they're cohabiting at the office in Dundee. 
keeping on sort of you know a lot of the same staff who have got all that expertise as well to really help those businesses that's a really good move as well so i think people like james here are then saying who else can you they'll be looking at what else has happened in the market what are these companies look doing to to grow uh, and enhance their experience and their skills is is a big part of it as well and unsure if you can or want to talk about this but in regards to nucleus as part of the deal why is nucleus why was nucleus an attractive option for james say to buy um that's an interesting question um i suppose it is the, the i think there's quite a, a different array of of advisory firms who use each of those companies so if i think about just you know what we know about them you know in in the industry and, and the, the public knowledge and everything else but it is about um you know the the advisor types and ultimately who the advisors are so from a distribution point of view as part of the sale process there's always going to be are we just buying what we've already got with a few more assets or are we expanding our reach into the market so i think from my point of view it is a reach into the market mm. so they will have looked at the you know some of the core you know the bigger firms at nucleus for example and said have we got any crossover already and that therefore you know assuming that they haven't it's not just about the aua that you're going to bring yeah, on yeah. In, in terms of 15 16 billion but is it is it new advisors new contacts can we get into other areas of the market that we're not already so i think that's probably one of the what one of the big drivers um one of the things they will have then considered and and again it's back to the beginning of our conversation is about well how do they run that business what mm. expertise have they got and i don't just mean um in terms of the technology and everything but in terms of the management board how could they so you know dave fergus and others how could they help enhance the core part of our business as well because they've got an awful lot of experience again it might be dealing in a slightly different part of the the uk advisory industry um but you know with very minimal um uh, overlap but again there's going to be different skill sets across across those businesses so i think the in terms of the you know management and the teams i think you know they'll cohabit quite nicely it what the the bit that sort of come up against each other is is that technology and i guess mm. that is where you can go back to an assessment of what those two companies have got and then make an informed decision over time well when if and when the deal goes through the total you know the business as a whole now the combined group will be you know, circa 45 billion. And in terms of technology, God, that's a lot of gunpowder and a lot of ammunition to really kick things off and uh, invest heavily, more heavily in technology. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. In the end, if you assume there's, that there's very little crossover and that, yeah, most of that comes together, I think it mm. could be a little bit higher than that. I mean, it's not going to be a case of just James Hay and Nucleus bang them yeah, together. Yeah. There's going to be things that don't you know, don't make it make it there or what have you. But um, yeah, so if you're thinking sort of forty five to fifty billion, that is a that is a sizable that's a sizable chunk. Um, you're going to get economies of scale. So again, having it would make sense to have one set of technology because you're then only having to do one set of change. For example, mm, mm. Uh, you haven't got to do it on FNZ as a, as a as a platform on FNZ and uh, a Bravura Sonata software, you can just do one set of change. So there's going to be obvious things there that, that will absolutely become, you know, part of that overall business case. Um, but at the same time, you then think about, well, there's there's differences in how those, those platforms operate. And actually that variety of functionality um, 
is that a good thing at least in the short to medium term well whilst we do that full assessment because it does enable those platforms to offer two slightly different things you're not just um you know bringing everything together and it just becomes really you know a really generic offering mm. you, you have got things around the sides and you know things that they're a little bit different and will therefore attract, attract business to the joint company no very much so and speaking you mentioned fnz in there again and it'd be remiss of me not to ask this question but as we all know, the CMA blocked the merger between FNZ and their uh, rival yep. GBST last year. Only last, well, I think it was uh, late last year, FNZ said it was going to appeal the decision and now it's submitted its appeal. What is going on there and what is the likely outcome? Um, so, yeah, you're right. They have submitted the appeal and, and it's been sent back to the, you know, the main investigatory part of the of the cma for them to, mm. to for them to take another look uh i guess there may be you know further data requests and everything else that they've that they were doing throughout uh throughout 2020 um that, that's an interesting one um because um you know with the with this purchase that is obviously you know bringing more assets onto to the fnz platform when they move that we you know it'll, it will take a you know a year or two but they, you know it's going to move over time um if you then include nucleus as well which is on a different bit of kit at the moment mm. um you know it is it is bringing more assets onto into an fnz world um now obviously the argument that fnz have had is that um you know how um so i think how they described it but it was the you know the description that the cma gave to you know what how they operate versus a gbst essentially and you'd put gbst and bravura together in in in, in terms of just providing the technology mm. they felt they felt was flawed so i guess it is for the cma to go back a little bit back to the drawing board recut some of the data um put their case forward again um uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens but i think that's going to take i could see that taking you know until later on in the spring or, or even early summer if they have to go back through that that process again because obviously it is it's not just them coming up with a uh, you know an answer but they've got to hit certain deadlines and they can't go too fast and they can't go too slow because they are you know it's the cma they are driven by you know meeting those dates um mm. uh, you know that's that's just what their what their mandate is do you have an inkling of what's going to happen or is it uh, once again a wait and see um i, I think it's gonna to have to be a wait and see um i suppose i mean when you know none of us are party to you know all the exact details and quite a mm. few of the documents are quite heavily redacted and and that sort of thing but um it, it, it remains to be seen if fnz have you know persuaded the cma enough um that you know to recut the data and to and to change their decision so yeah i think a, a bit of a wait and see but it's it's going to take a little while to get there watch this space watch this space absolutely and uh, we, we went over this earlier, but private equity has been huge um, in platform world over the past few years. You know, Apirus, James Hay, and now we've got, you know, Anna Cap uh, taking over Nobia last year. And now we've got um, you know, James Hay Nucleus backed by Apirus. Why are platforms so attractive to private equity firms? I mean, advice firms also um, have been in the, the PE backers sites recently. But why platforms? Why have we seen such a flurry of deals over the past two years? Um, I think it's, um, you know, that sort of company that they're, they're starting to see, uh, you know, value and in, in particular around profitability in the industry. So, so the industry has always struggled with, with profitability. Um, so we've done various bits of research, as you know, around this and the, the latest figures or, you know, annual figures from last year, for example, show that 
of the platforms we track, more more are now in profit than aren't mm. in in terms of the numbers, which which is which is great news. So that's kind of flipped in the last in the last couple of years or so. Um, but traditionally, it's it, it's been a real struggle to 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 make a profit. Uh, I think that has been driven by a lot of replatforming has happened. So once you get over the hump of doing that the new systems as opposed to some proprietary software you've been running on for the last five, 10 years have got natural built-in efficiencies. Um, so you then start to be able to turn a profit more easily. And then the PE firms are looking at, at the overall financial services industry and thinking, okay, well, how can I, or how can I get in on the action, I suppose, for want of a, want of a better phrase. Mm. Um, so some of them are going to be in, in it for the longer term, longer than others. But if you think about a, you know, a five to seven year period, I, I, I don't think it would be much shorter than five years. What can I do about buying one, two, probably more than one to get those efficiencies, two or three platforms, bringing them together, maybe changing some of the, some of the technology and just how they operate, but ultimately making them into a, a, a much more profitable business if they aren't already profitable, um, and then and then looking to looking to move on. And we've seen that in other parts of the industry, uh, you know, some of the back office providers like um, like Intelliflow, you know, that had a lot of investors that went for a certain period of time. They've now sold to uh, uh, to the asset manager, Vesco, the asset manager. Um, th- there's lots and lots of movement. So I think Anacap have definitely come out and said, you know, when they bought Wealth Time, mm. uh, what was that uh, about? almost 18 months ago i think uh or beginning of beginning of 2020 they said you know we will be looking for other acquisitions and they've done just that so i think they're going to have two so once that gets through the regulatory approval with novia they're going to have two i think they'll look for another one Mm. uh and that will give them you know they're getting towards 10 billion now but that will give them you know 10 15 20 billion of aua that's a you need some of that scale to give some of the profitability. It's not just about how efficient you are. There are there are minimum levels that you that you need to hit. Eparis are doing the same thing. So they've obviously got James Hay. They've now they've now done the the nucleus deal. That's going to be quite a sizable thing. You know, 45, 50 billion as as you said there. But they might look for, look for another one just to uh, you know to to fit together with with those two platforms. Um, and there's one or two others. So. Uh, I know it's sort of slightly different, but you know Bain Capital mm. uh, and, and others that are, that are definitely interested in what's happening in financial services, not just platforms. Uh, they're looking to you know get in on the action as well. Um, so I think it is about the, the profitability factor because I think the PE firms aren't going to want to buy a business and try and turn it around unless they think they can make they can make some money over the the, the medium to longer term, which is good good news for the industry because ultimately you know it needs it. You, you don't always get always get you know g- good news stories about um you know platforms being you know successful replatforming mm-hmm. everyone's profitable we're all doing really well you know there's always a bit of a fight in the industry against you know the markets or coronavirus or whatever it might be you know just rocking the boat at every every turn um but some of that investment is sometimes needed to get those businesses over a hump get them into profitability uh, and then it's you know ultimately it's good for for everyone involved especially the staff in a lot of cases no, very true. And you mentioned uh, a few uh, favourite private equity companies there that have been uh, kept us so busy over the past year or so. Um, the next platform off the rank is Parmenian, yeah. um, which if you listen to anybody in platform world, they've got about 20 private equity suitors hovering around. Yes. <laughs> um, one of them apparently, Anacap. Um, what, what's your prediction with uh, Parmenian? I mean, they've, they've come out and you know, said that they've got a lot of interest and there's been plenty of news stories about who and who could be interested, but no one quite knows yet. What do you think the um, the end game there is? Is this going to be another one snapped up by private equity? 
quite potentially, but Parmenian is a it's an interesting case because it is. I mean, all platforms are a little bit different, but they are a little bit more different uh, mm. in terms of you know effectively running on their own technology but doing it but doing it well uh, which which is you know it's not always an easy thing to do um, their proposition is different in terms of how they uh, you know operate the discretionary part of things and how advisors can use that so again I think it will complement some of the some of the other um, you know sort of core platform offerings that that you get out there so I don't think P is out is out of the question. I I think you're right that it will be some of the same some of the same firms or you know they'll definitely be having a look or will have had a mm-hmm. look last year when when the news came out. Um, you know you, you just would that's that's kind of the the, the way of the business. Um, but I think yeah, I think it is could also be open to to asset managers looking to maybe get in on the you know to get their own platform that that's happened before um it could also be you know another platform um so you know when Agon bought co-funds for example they said you know we would look to expand by acquisition they haven't done anything recently since since the co-funds you know it's 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 100 billion plus if you include nationwide and the and the institutional stuff and what have Mm. you um but that that sort of thing isn't isn't out of the question as well um so yeah uh, everything's open at the moment i think um in terms of the timelines um you know i think it's a it's an attractive it's an attractive business uh in terms of what it can do uh you know as i said the flexibility and proposition the team that's there as well um you know they run the the platform really well very well respected um so yeah i i think we'll hear hear a result um you know hopefully in the in the next few weeks because again i've mentioned it before but you know the, the the staff and everything there about just being certain about their future it will be good for everyone involved just to get to a conclusion uh and then and then start that uh, change of ownership from standard life mm. no i'm uh bristling with anticipation to see who um yeah <laughs> ends up buying that and hopefully i'll find out first but we will find we'll wait and see we'll wait and see and absolutely i suppose the parmenian you know that news is imminent on who will buy them what does this mean for the platform market as a whole? You know, we've got some smaller platforms being uh, that were nabbed last year that've been uh, bought out, such as Wealthtime and you know, to a smaller extent, Amber, as well as Genovia Nucleus and Parmenian as well. And you know, Xerox um, platform business went to embark early last year or the year before, from memory. What does this mean for the platform market? Are we going to see kind of a huge consolidation of just you know big platforms being owned and backed by private equity companies and the advisor-led smaller platforms are a thing of the past? Um, I think it's, it's going that way, but I don't think it will, I don't think it will change, change completely. Uh, mm. so, so the other big one is, you know, Centrix change of ownership from, from rural London to MG. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's a bit more like Agon buying co-funds uh, yeah. in terms of that. And you've got a, it's a lot more vertically integrated. You know, you've got a, a fund manager and a life company, uh, and the same could go be said for you know Aviva and Standard Life in, in that respect. Um, I think that that sort of model will 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 remain. Um, we've also talked a lot about ERP firms, you know, bringing together some of those some of those platforms. Um, but you've got some technology companies that are up and coming that are enabling smaller firms to to get access to the platform market as well, or small to medium firms to get access to the platform market. So I think they'll they'll still be a, a few around. Um, but in some, in case of some of the more you know boutique platforms, and you would include your Novia, your Nucleus, and your Eccentric, they're obviously no longer going to be in 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 those in those sorts of hands ultimately mm. over, over the coming months. Um, so uh, I think there'll be less of that. But uh, 
the whole consolidation piece is really interesting because everyone said there was going to be lots and lots of it uh, and we'd, we'd be down to you know you know almost a, a handful or a couple of handfuls you know sort of up to 10 platforms by now um, but it's taken this long for anything to really happen and in the last couple of years there's been lots and lots of movement um, mm. so it's, it's just taken it yeah, absolutely. It's taken a bit longer than people would than people would think ultimately, but I think because, especially to do with technology changes, um, you know, there are others, and this goes for you know smaller advisors, medium to large advisors, networks, asset managers, everything like that, who are, uh, you know, they might have direct stuff at the moment. And they're thinking, oh, actually, this is something that I that I want to do. This is a service I can provide my customers. The technology is now there to enable them to do that. Um, relatively quickly and, re- and relatively cheaply, so it's not just spending tens of millions of pounds on doing a you know a massive replatforming project, and I haven't got to build it all myself. I can go out and not quite shop at a supermarket, but there's a, there's a handful of, of of well-respected players out there now who can provide something for me relatively quickly, and then what they can then do is build their you know boutiqueiness on top of that in mm. terms of their offering or you know the digital front end and that sort of thing as well, which gives them again a bit of a unique offering in the market so i think it will go one way with some of the traditional players and that you might see that consolidation but then there'll be more and more players sort of coming into the market to provide that variety which again is good for the industry because then you get that you get the competition you get the variety of offerings um you know keeps everyone on their toes if nothing else well that's a very good point i suppose when you take away some of the more you know as you say boutique firms Mm -hmm. out of the market which we have seen more always going to pop up yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think there will always be space. Um, so uh, you know, I think there'll be advisors, and you know, advisors put comments in here on on your articles and, and others, James. But um, yeah, there'll be some who, who immediately go, "No, that's not for me. I'm moving my business." Whether they yeah, will or yeah. not is it, it remains to be seen. It could be a bit of a knee jerk reaction, but there will be some who think, "Well, that's not what my business need. I, I don't need." A huge platform that can do everything because that's not what my client base is when i'm doing my due diligence you know and my research you know prod and everything else i this is what i need so i need to go and look at x y and z platforms um, and that's absolutely fair enough um so i think on in that respect there will always be a need for that variety um it, you know and, and spotting those gaps in the market so by platforms being um you know consolidated it naturally in, in uh, uh, sort of reintroduces some of those gaps in the market where other players can come in um, and actually and actually fill those. Um, so again, and as I, I'll go back to the you know the point about technology is the developments in technology in the last you know ten fifteen plus years that have enabled a lot of that a lot of that to happen. Hmm. Well, speaking of tech as well, and one business we haven't mentioned is Transact. Transact rather, um, they bought Time for Advice in January which yeah. is a financial planning tech firm. How has that deal helped either party? Um, interesting one, yeah. So um, I think from a from a transact point of view, again, they're they're a company that has you know has their own technology. So it's a you know it's a technology owned platform, if you like. You know they are mm-hmm. they are one and the same. Um, so uh, and time for advice is you know it's 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 a little bit different in terms of how it's been developed. It's a you know it's Microsoft based under the hood and that sort of thing so um, i think bringing those two things together um will enable transact to have you know a, a more um 
that's the word I'm looking for, but you know, a more together solution, a more cohesive mm -hmm. solution in terms of what they could provide for, for advisors. Um, what's interesting in that in that sort of deal, um, and, and I suppose that would you know enable them to look at other technologies and how they can enhance you know the overall business, uh, but also remembering that they were the one of the you know the mooted bidders for for Nucleus. Um, at the end of last year as well, before dropping out at the beginning of well, this year. I was going to say they so, jumped. They jumped off the uh, nucleus train pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. So I think they, I think there, they would have been thinking, well, is it the right fit for my business? Uh, but also looking at some of the technology as well. So, mm. um, you know, is the Sonata software, the Brevior Sonata software, the nucleus use something that could help us as a business? Um, you know, they've 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 grown quite rapidly. You know, it's it's a large platform. They do a lot of um, a lot of different product types, very wide ranging proposition, very popular with advisors. Um, but if you look at the technology, they're going to have to keep, everyone has to keep improving that to, you know, keep up with the times basically. So I think that would have been one driver. Um, buying someone like Time for Advice just to enhance the overall proposition, that's going to give them some, uh, some enhancements in terms of the technology. Uh, but the interesting thing there is that, you know, Time for Advice are a, a big player with St James's Place as well. So mm -hmm. I'm not saying there's a tie-up there, but in terms of um, you know, the, there's always going to be a little bit of conflict, I guess, with if you buy a technology company who have got clients who be, could be considered competitors of yours, that's that's always got to be taken into account that you might not be able to recontract with some of your existing customers because it just doesn't meet their their risk appetite, for example. So you you've got to take all that into account. Um, and another one that kind of fits in there is um is you know the pension company Curtis Banks buying Dunstan Thomas mm, a big indeed. supplier of technology in, in the pension space Dunstan Thomas obviously you know provide the technology for a wide range of clients throughout the industry some of whom are going to be uh, considered or consider themselves or considered by Curtis Banks to be competitors so how those sorts of deals are managed and how the bringing together of those businesses are managed and you know some very thick Chinese walls, if you like, that you'd, that you'd need to have to enable that, you know, uh, enable everyone to, to remain happy um, it is a big part of it as well. So it's all around, you know, the operating model that these companies put together post-purchase. It is a really important part of that change.